Hello, Matthew Grant here. Well, a slight shift of focus for this one that we sneaked in midweek. Uh, with so many of you stuck at home, I thought it'd be kind of interesting to talk to Pete Roach, who normally edits our weekly podcast and was also formerly a sound engineer with the BBC. He's got some great tips and techniques for best practices, whether you're recording podcasts, webinars, or whatever else you're doing just now online. Pete, it's great to have you joining us, uh, sitting on the other side of the microphone this time. So you've been doing some fantastic work behind the scenes, tidying up the podcast we've been doing at Instate London. I thought in these days when everybody is now communicating digitally and dealing with some of the challenges of that, and also just to get the benefit of what you are doing with podcasts, it'd be great just to get some of your recommendations about how these have been successful based on your own experience. So first of all, it'd be good just to get a little bit of your own history and and how you ended up doing what you're doing today. I started off in the BBC about 25, 30 years ago in the days when we used to cut tape with a razor blade and then stitch it together with a bit of sellotape. And then over the years that moved into digital technology where we used to make programs on a laptop. And then um, I left the BBC and I worked for various newspapers and people and I made podcasts for Frank Skinner and David Baddiel and Dom Jolly and other people. And then as the years went by, um, and they were pretty successful podcasts, and then everybody started to get a mobile phone, a smartphone. And that's when podcasting, I think, really took off because everybody um, had it in the palm of your hand. You had everything you needed to download a podcast rather than listening to it at home on a computer. So... It's kind of exploded in the last couple of years, and my work now, it's predominantly um, podcasting, uh, editing, and producing. So we're going to talk a bit about what a podcast actually is, both of those that may not know the specifics, but also to help people that are thinking about doing it. I mean, if you think about the the production of a podcast, from the initiation of the idea through to delivering it, what would be the kind of different key steps people would need to take and then we can dig into those in a little bit more detail essentially a podcast is just a radio program that you can download and listen to whenever you like but the difference between i think a radio program and a podcast is that um, in a podcast you don't generally have to worry about ad breaks although they are more and more podcasts are taking ads but you know you don't have news bulletins you don't have travel you don't have weather so the podcast is literally the only content you need they can kind of be as long or as short as you want them to be so you're not you know in radio you have half an hour slots or a one hour slot you can have it 45 minutes you can have 20 minutes you can do what you like um, and the other big difference with podcasts is that they are kind of designed to be listened to on headphones so they're a really personal thing with a podcast you put the headphones on and you dedicate a little half an hour on the train or at the gym to that podcast so they're a really personal way of reaching out and talking to people and what about topics so your radio programs tend to be either just chat shows, fairly general, or very specific, focused around a, a topic. What are you seeing in sort of the most successful podcasts about how they think about creating the content and making it engaging for listeners? I think there's three main different podcast formats, really. There's the kind of chat, which is a main presenter with a couple of friends, generally the same kind of friends each week. And they talk about films or music or sport. And a good example is uh, the BBC's That Peter Crouch podcast. 
And then the next kind of podcast, which is very popular, is a kind of presenter plus interviewee type podcast. So you have a presenter with a different guest each episode. So again, could be music or could be film or could be sport or just a really interesting guest. And a really good example of this is um, a podcast called Out to Lunch with Jay Rayner, the food critic, who every week takes a different guest out to their favourite restaurant and they sit over dinner and they have a chat. And it's a really engaging little idea. And then the third main kind of podcast at the moment that is doing well, it's a kind of scripted ongoing series, which is a kind of true crime does very well at this. So I've listened to the Fred and Rose West tapes and another podcast called The Nobody Zone, which are both true crime. They're quite big budget. There's quite a lot of resources thrown at them. Um, but, you know, you can hear that. You can, you can hear it in the quality of the program. And for people that are thinking about doing this and haven't had any experience, I mean, is it really difficult to get this right? Or do you recommend that people just jump in and, and sort of learn and evolve as they go? Jump in. Go for it. I mean, we've all got the technology in our phones now. There's nothing. There's no barrier. There's, so you don't need a microphone. You don't need an expensive um, mixing desk. You need your mobile phone. There's lots of apps that will allow you to record your voice on your phone in really good quality. There are also lots of apps that will allow you to edit on your phone, and most of those apps are free. I mean, it's diff- it is tricky editing on your phone because the screen's so small, but you know it, it's doable. You can top and tail um, an interview. Just get out and um, have a go, and you know maybe do a few in TV and in radio. We do things called pilots, which are never intended to be broadcast. They're just practice runs. So get out and do a practice run um, about anything, and then play it to your friends and your family to say, right, what do you think? And get honest, you know, get them to give you honest feedback. Good. So I just want to come back on that edit one in a minute, but just on so on the equipment. I mean, you and I have spent a fair amount of time talking about different options for equipment and difference if you're broadcasting at home versus you're out on site. But just some, uh, what specific recommend recommendations do you have? You, you mentioned about the iPhone. You, I use a, a Zoom recorder. Um, I mean, there's different, obviously, different levels of investment people are prepared to pay. But could you just sort of talk through maybe one or two different options people would have if they want to? You know, get the best return on quality for cost, particularly that is starting out on this. You mentioned the Zoom recorder. That's an ideal little piece of kit. It's got four inputs and it's basically a mini mixing desk. And they, I think it costs £350, which is remarkable. You can plug three or four microphones into it. You can plug a computer into it so you could record the out. Uh, if somebody was on the other side of the world, you could record them. It's also got an inbuilt mic, so you, you don't even need to plug a microphone into it. It's got an actual inbuilt mic. So that's a perfect piece of kit. And I would say if you're going to go down this road, then the Zoom recorder is probably the kind of best bit of kit that you can buy at the moment. And what about microphones? There's a company called Rode, R-O-D-E, who do some really good kind of budget microphones, which are kind of not far off broadcast quality, but certainly not broadcast prices. So for maybe £100, you could get um, a, a decent Rode microphone. To get into this, you don't need a great deal of money. I mean, the other thing you could do is you don't even need a Zoom recorder. If you really wanted to just try it out, buy yourself a cheap little microphone for maybe £30, £40, and plug it on a USB straight into your laptop and, and use your laptop as your recording device. So you'd be up and running for 30 or £40. Yeah, I mean, definitely my experience has been testing it out a bit. Uh, you've certainly been very helpful in pointing out to me where my microphone technique is not up to scratch. But yeah, I think you know, anybody doing this for a while, you kind of want to try and improve the quality. But as you say, just jumping in and doing it, and, and it, people are fairly tolerant up to a point about the quality. And you mentioned the iPhone in there. I mean, there are some, I think I've seen on Amazon, there are some devices you can get that link directly into the iPhone as well that are sort of also designed for... Um, podcasting but it's a good one step beyond just using the internal microphone in the in the iphone 
if you've got an iPhone, um, if you use the headphones, the white headphones that come with the, the iPhone, they've got an inbuilt mic in the, in the actual wire. So if you plug that in and use that microphone, your sound quality is dramatically increased. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? And of course, you can just test these things out. I mean, if you've got the, you've got them already, just test them out and see what works. Um, now, of course, you and I are, are doing our social distancing and doing this over a different kind of Zoom, which is a conference Zoom, which lots of people are going to be using today. Um, can you just talk a bit about best practices for people, you know, whether they're doing a podcast or they're doing a conference call or a webinar in terms of just making sure they get yeah, the maximize and the quality for whether it's recording or just a, a sort of live chat? So if you're going to kind of recreate a studio, go to a like a bedroom. A bedroom's great because it's got soft furnishing. What you want to try and avoid is hard surfaces. So big windows, big wooden tables, wooden floors, which is generally your front room. Um, your bedroom's great because it's full of soft furnishing and that will sound bounces off of hard surfaces and your bedroom will prevent the sound from reverbing and making it sound like you're in a bathroom. So the first podcast you, you and I did, we had, we had, you had me recording from inside your wife's wardrobe. I thought for a minute it was some kind of weird sound engineer's initiation ceremony, but that was really just to keep the, uh, the sound quality good, wasn't it? Uh, good. Well, yeah, it seemed, seems to work. Um, so, and a little bit more about mics again. So one of the things, again, that you sometimes hear and, and is, is a challenge is this popping or the plosives when people get too close to the microphones. What, what's your sort of recommendation for minimizing that? Uh, the reason you get the popping on a microphone, it's the, the kind of plosive sounds, it's the P sounds, it's a load of air comes out of your mouth and that air hits the microphone hard and the microphone can't cope with the amount of pressure and it, and it distorts and it makes a horrible sound. To avoid that, either speak over the top of the microphone or angle it to your cheek so that, that it literally is stopping that kind of rush of air hitting the microphone's diaphragm. Yeah, it's worth actually Googling YouTube and looking to see how people do that. I guess the other choice is lapel mics, because there's a bit of a distraction for people who aren't used to holding a microphone doing some recording. Are you, what's your view on lapel mics versus the more traditional style of handheld mic? Lapel mics are good, but they're expensive because uh, the manufacturers have to get all of that technology that's in a big handheld mic down, reduced and reduced into a tiny little lapel mic. And the ones that are cheap are cheap for a reason. So it's a trade-off. Um, you might have to spend a bit more money. It makes your life easier. Um, but if you're just starting off in this, if I wouldn't go for a lapel mic. Go for a handheld mic first. But just as you come back to your point about the Apple earphones, how, how far away or close should those be if you're going to be able to use those? Because presume, can you use those for two people talking together or is that just each person has to use their own? How does that work? Yeah, each person has to use their own um, unless you're sitting absolutely on top of each other. If you're using them yourself, just put them in your ears and then the microphone's in the perfect place. It's been designed to be in the perfect place when, when you're wearing the, the headphones. If you want to do it cheap and you had a couple of guests, both of you record yourself on your own iPhones and then edit the um, audio together in a, in a, on your laptop. Yeah, join them together, which is good. So that brings us on to the next topic. So you mentioned briefly about editing before, but there's a choice between getting someone like yourself to do it professionally or doing it yourself. My experience with DIY is I occasionally do a bit of DIY to remind myself why I pay somebody to do it for me, which is exactly why you're helping us with the with the editing. But can you just talk a little bit about, you know, first of all, if people do want to do the editing, are there any particular tools you'd recommend they can use on the laptop, I mean, I, I think the phone's going to be a little bit tricky for most people, but on the laptop that they can do that are free or fairly cheap? Well, free, there's um, a thing called Audacity, which is completely free. The thing with editing, the uh, learning curve is vertical. So 
you know, you will have to spend quite a few days getting your head around it. Um, there's another one called Garage Band, which I think is, is quite intuitive. It's sort, but then I've got an, an engineering kind of audio engineering background, so all of these things that you know, I kind of go, oh, it's it's easy, and actually realistically, it isn't. It's kind of a different language. So you, you know, it will take time. If you're doing it yourself, and especially at the moment, everyone's got lots of time on their hands, so it's not a bad thing to learn. But if you have a company, I would say editing is the one thing you don't really want to scrimp on because an, a decent editor can make your audio sound amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's a word. So Audacity, I mean, I've used that. and it, it, There is a quite a steep learning curve, and they do some quite good tutorials on it, but it is, it is not intuitive, actually, when you first use it. Um, and then I guess it's probably worth talking a bit about how you and I do the edits. So what I've been doing for you is listen to the recording, and then I'll mark out the timestamps so that you know when to make the cuts, and then you do all the fine tuning and, and clever stuff to make it all linked together and it's, it's always a great test for me when I go back and try and figure out where I made the cuts and you know you do a pretty incredible job of of, of joining them all together and I guess that's what people are are paying for when they get you know partly it's saving time but it's also it just sounds like a really smooth transition but again any any sort of tips in terms of when you're working with people how you like them to give you the information to help you edit most effectively what I like is to get a script that's got the inwards, the outwards, and the time code of everything you want removed. Um, another way that's really good is if you get the entire audio transcribed, and then you can highlight the bits that you don't want, and then you send me the script, and I literally go through it and take out the highlights. So clear and straightforward and not ambiguous in any way. On radio, how much editing do they do in, in the same way you might do for a podcast? Or is it a much more of a kind of natural discussion because people tend to be more professional and, and just go with the flow? The radio that I used to do was news radio, so most of it's live, so there is no editing. On the Stay programme, they obviously have packages, which are kind of three or four-minute reports from wherever in the world they are. They are edited, but they're only three or four minutes long. A half-an-hour interview on Radio 4 will be quite heavy, if it's a recorded interview, will be quite heavily edited. So just moving on to distribution, so... Someone's recorded their podcast, they've edited it, they've got the file. How do they then share that with the world? There's lots of free websites and services out there. I'm currently running a podcast at the moment for our local area while this coronavirus goes on, and I've signed up to Podbean, and it's totally free, and you get five hours a month. So basically what you do is you make your, you record your podcast, you edit your podcast, get it down to about half an hour or so, and then you save it as an MP3 file, send it to Podbean, uh, drag and drop, and then they give you a thing called an RSS feed, which is a really simple syndication. That's what it stands for. And you cut and paste that. And then you send that RSS feed, that's really simple syndication, to iTunes and Spotify and Google Podcasts and whoever else you want to send it to. And it literally is drag and drop and up it goes. And then within about, it takes about two days for iTunes to approve your first one. But once you're up and running, within about 10 minutes, every time you put it up there, it's there. And so if you have subscribers who are subscribed to your podcast, they'll get a little notification every time you upload a new podcast. It'll tell them there is a new one to listen to. Yeah, we, we use Podbeam as well. It's very effective. And, and actually, it's pretty straightforward on the site to get all those connections. I mean, it's one of the sort of hidden secrets and joys of podcasting, I think, which is you can use one platform like that and it, and it does distribute it everywhere. And, and when someone downloads it, it all goes back and the, the metrics are captured on Podbeam and things. So that's yeah, definitely the one that I would recommend. Uh, so if people do want to find you, learn a bit more about you, uh, maybe get your help in doing some work with them, what's the best way to track you down? I've got a website, which is um, visualmonkeys.co.uk. 
Um, there's an email form you can just fill out on there. Uh, just drop me a line. I, mean, I think we'll probably put the, my details in the show notes for this podcast. Excellent. We certainly will. Plus, you know, some of the other information in there we had around mics and editing software and all the other things that would be useful. Well, Pete, you've, I'll let you get on. You've got some of my podcasts to be working on as well. Uh, it's great to sort of get you, as I said, to sort of step from behind the editing console. And um, yeah, let's let's keep this going. We also did talk about doing something live in London. So hopefully we'll still do that and get you talking about what you're doing and, and lessons for people when things get back to normality. That's it for today. Look out for some more of our midweek shorties and our occasional how-to discussions with the experts and otherwise continue to follow us for our weekly Sunday release from the Instec London podcast.